You're listening to Business Stories with Ryan Arcarachi, where I speak to business professionals from all walks of life. Thanks for listening, and let's get to it. Hey, everybody, if you're like me, um, you don't wake up every day thinking about insurance until something bad happens, whether you're a business owner or just an individual. Um, you don't think about your insurance until you have that unfortunate car accident or issue with the house or something at work. So my guest today, Rob Bowen, uh, is here to talk about insurance and educate us a little bit more because honestly, let's think about it. We don't really sit down every day and think about our insurance. We pay for it because we have to, but we're not really educated on it. And when it comes to business, I think insurance is incredibly important. So Rob, thank you for being here. Ryan, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. I like the way you started the conversation about education because that, that's what this is all about. Right. And I think that's important. Um, so thanks, Rob. Tell us a little bit about your background and you know how you came to be where you are in this business. Um, I spent eight years in the military. I was in the Navy and uh, got out, worked down on Wall Street for about 13 years. was always around insurance companies, but not at the retail level. I was more selling data to them, selling banking services. Um, and when I turned 50, I was done working for big companies and mm -hmm. opened up my insurance agency. And we've been around for be eight years this coming October. Um, and it's a fun ride. I mean, it's, it's the, the industry has changed dramatically in eight years. Um, and, you know, I think if you know what you're doing and you're willing to spend time, I love talking to small businesses because I, you know, I'm a small business owner too. So we all have the same struggles. Mm -hmm. Um, and like you, like you alluded to, no one wakes up in the morning thinking about insurance. That's not what, unless you have a claim, right. And it's really a lot of small businesses are really need to look at their insurance and make sure that it's correct. I mean, that's really, I've seen so many incorrect policies it's mind blowing to me. And what's the point of paying for insurance if it's not done correctly? Because the claim will be denied. Insurance companies love to deny claims. And right. I say, don't give them a chance. So. Right. Well, thanks for your service, by the way. And also, um, you know, a lot of what I hear about insurance from people is, oh, insurance is, you know, you spend a lot, all this money for insurance for a maybe, like for just in case something happens, right? Yep. And I, you know, how, how do you handle that sort of uh, uh, argument? Like, oh boy, I'm spending all this money. I mean, I know we need to spend money on insurance, but some people think it's just insurance companies taking your money when nothing happens. So, <laughs> and I, I know it's silly, but that's, uh, that's oh, no, it's valid. Yeah, it's an yeah. argument I hear. Right. Yeah. Oh no. I, I think it's a valid argument. I mean, the way I, the way I approach that question is that in most States and I'll leave workers cop out of this for now in most States, none of what I sell is required, right? There's no state entity, no regulator telling you, you have to have insurance. It is the, your landlord. It is the mortgage company. It is a vendor. It is your franchisor. Um, that's saying you must have these types of policies, you must have these limits. And I think that's part of the problem because people will come to me and say, hey, I need a certificate of insurance, can I buy it? And that right there shows me just how they don't care about insurance. And it's back to your point. It's just, it's a piece of paper and a promise. I have to have it. 
Um, I spend all this money and, and I get nothing in return. There's no uh, return on investment. Right. Um, and I, I say, listen, you can self-insure everything if you want. If you have no requirement from a lender, franchisor, you know, you could open up a restaurant, own the building and not have insurance on that building. Yeah. And that's fine, right? There's no law, you don't have a mortgage. Right. But now you're willing to take the risk and self-insure that building burning down. Yeah. You're willing to take the risk that Rob Bowen walks in as a diner and slips and falls and breaks my back and sues you. You're willing to make that payment. Right. Um, and most small businesses can't afford that. Right. So what I tell people is two things. Number one, yes, if you have insurance for the entire life cycle of your business and never have a claim, um, you, maybe you shouldn't have had it. But are you willing to take the risk? But more importantly, in a lot of fields, i.e. contractors, uh, you know, any kind of small business, you can leverage me, you know, put it on your website, fully insured. It's mm -hmm. a different conversation to have with your clients, uh, certainly in the e-commerce world now, uh, a lot of technology companies, you know, hey, I'm insured, you know, I'm legit. I, if I have, there's a problem, if something goes south and there's a mistake made, um, I have insurance that will protect both of us. Right. Um, and I think that's a differentiator you can use, not in every business. I mean, sometimes it doesn't really apply, but I think that's what's really key about insurance. But more importantly, it's knowing what you have, knowing what's out there. And then my job's to educate and your job's to make a business decision. Yeah. Do I, do I want it or not? That process is typically what doesn't happen. It's let me buy the minimum purely based on price, not even looking at the carrier. Um, not looking at the policy itself, not looking at whether anything's really protected. And that's when you get yourself in trouble. So if you get educated and you decide, hey, I don't want that type of insurance. I don't want employment practices liability. I own a Dunkin' Donuts. And I don't know if Dunkin' requires it. They might, they should. Um, but if you don't want employment practices, then if an employee sues you for terminating them, you're willing to pay out of pocket. Mm -hmm. You make that choice. Same thing applies to cyber. Cyber is yep. a big one now. It's not cheap, trust me. Um, but are you willing to take the risk if you get hacked that you will probably go out of business? Right. That, that's your choice. Right. Um, so I think, you know, and if you look at it, if you're, if you're, if you're a homeowner and let's say you hire someone to put on a new roof or paint your house, right? You want someone who's insured. For yes. that. You want a business that's because if you hire someone who's not insured, you are taking on some serious risk if that person falls off a ladder or breaks something or what or what have you, right? I mean, it's a serious issue, but you don't really face until it happens to you. And then you realize, oh, wait a second. Uh, I should have thought about this before, right? Well, exactly. And that and, and the contractor is a great example because you know, con being a exterior painter or roofer, any of those high-risk businesses. The insurance is not cheap. It's it's actually very expensive for a reason. And I tell them all, listen, I'm going to charge you, I don't know, $4,000 a year for this insurance. Mm -hmm. You need to charge your clients for my insurance. Yeah. You need to have a, you know, not, a, not necessarily a line item surcharge because that leads to too many questions, but now you can increase your rates. And as you're talking to your client about painting the outside of their house and putting a new roof on, you can say, listen, I'm fully insured. If something happens, if I make a mistake, um, I have insurance that will take care of that and we'll be able to fix it. Um, 
and I think, like I said, that's a different conversation to have with a potential client than just ignoring it. Same thing applies to landscapers and any kind of blue collar contractor, because most of the small ones don't have insurance. Right. And once you have it and you're legitimate, and I've seen this with my clients, I, I work with a lot of small entrepreneurial type of people who start a business. I kind of walk them through the whole glide slope. You know, here's, here's where you're going to be in five years. Um, here's the kind of insurance you're going to have in force. Here's about where the pricing is going to be. And I've seen them grow and they're like, Rob, that conversation worked. I wasn't going to get that contract from whoever. And I said, well, I'm fully insured. And the other competitor never even brought that up mm -hmm. and they've gotten business. They're probably a little more expensive, but they've gotten business and the homeowner or the commercial space just feels more comfortable having someone who's fully insured. And I, I think it's a big selling point. Um, and you just, you might have to reprice your service or your product to make sure that my insurance is paid for. And then as you grow, I'll grow with you. Cause that, that's the other side I see too, Ryan, because mm -hmm. a lot of people start out brand new, they get what they need. And then five years later, they still have exactly the same thing and they've never even looked at it. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that gets you in a lot of trouble too, because the numbers might be different. You might need more coverage. You might need different policies. You might you know, laws might've changed. Um, and it's that annual review process that we put all of our clients through to talk about, okay, what's coming down the road. You know, I mean, I tell people all the time, listen, if you have, if you're changing your business for whatever reason, you need to call me. Mm -hmm. They don't like to, because insurance never goes down. It always goes up. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're not covered correctly, what's the point of the insurance? So most of my clients are really good about calling me, just asking basic questions. And I'm like, nope, you're good. You're covered for that. Or no, you're not good. We need to add this or, you know, whatever that person's requiring you don't have. So we, we do this a lot for our clients. A lot of times when you deal with vendors, they will, especially around New York city, the big, you know, the big, um, uh, big cities, you know, they'll ask for a $10 million umbrella, right. Which is crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, but what you do is I help the client go back to that vendor and say, listen, um, that umbrella is going to cost us $15,000. Why don't we split the cost? Yeah. Why don't you pay for it? Because that's going to protect, protect the vendor more than it's going to protect you. The vendor doesn't theoretically does not care if you go out of business. What they care about is their main policy, getting it with a mm -hmm. liability claim because one of their vendors doesn't have the right coverage. That's right. what happens. So, and it works. People are like, oh, I can't believe that worked. I'm like, it does. So we help them with that process too, as they grow and they get bigger contracts. Hey, what did, you know, do they really need commercial auto? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do they really need EPLI? So we, I help them with that conversation with the vendors to get the right coverage in place, but also to, I mean, I've, I've had vendors, I've had vendors pay for the insurance for my clients mm -hmm. for 5,000 bucks. And now they have additional coverage and everybody's happy. So, um, you know, it, it, it's that it's a building a relationship. It's not just transaction, doing a transaction and throwing a policy at them and saying, have a good day. Right. You know, one of the things you said to me before was that, you know, you've looked at a lot of policies and you've seen problems like if this is not the right policy or this is way off. I mean, as a business owner, what should they be asking you or how should they get off on the right foot as far as picking the and making sure they get the right policy? What, what do you recommend? I mean, what should you be thinking about? What, one of the biggest things I see, and you think this would be easy, is what is the business? 
what's mm -hmm. the classification? Now, something like a restaurant, you think, yeah. okay, it's a restaurant, right? How hard can that be? Well, there is sit-down restaurants, there is limited weight service, there is liquor, there is fine dining, there mm -hmm. is fast food. So if you're rated incorrectly, by definition, that policy is not going to protect you. Um, wow. Okay. So a lot of times I see people because they go for cheap. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of agents go cheap. So the best example I have is um, when I do buildings, um, we rate to the tenants. So my extreme example, and I always use this because it's, it's a ridiculous example. If one of your tenants is a nuclear waste facility, you're mm -hmm. going to pay a lot of money to insure that building. Right. Right. But everyone's a nail salon because that's the cheapest. Yeah. So I've seen building policies that it says tenants, you know, the tenant is a nail salon. And yeah. then I, I asked the owner, I'm like, well, who, who do you have in there? And this is a true story. And he's like, oh, I have a, a, a daycare mm -hmm. uh, from zero to five-year-old daycare. And that mm -hmm. brings out a whole nother level and a kickboxing tenant. Wow. And I'm like, okay, well, here's my quote. My quote was double. Yeah. And the guy said, no, nah, I'm fine. I've got, I've got building coverage. And I said, well, sir, here's what's going to happen. If you have a claim, a general liability or a abuse molestation claim, mm -hmm. and your tenant, first of all, he didn't require his tenants to have insurance. So that's the wow. first problem. second problem is, so you have that claim and they don't have insurance. So they don't have the right insurance because you're not checking. Mm -hmm. They're going to hit your general liability and find out number one, you don't have abuse and molestation. Number two, it's not rated because that nail salon is really a daycare center mm -hmm. and they won't pay the claim. I mean, you're wow. going to, you're going to lose your building, um, especially on a large claim, small claims they'll pay and then they'll drop you. <clears throat> but on a big claim like that, if they think it's going to be a, you know, half a million dollar claim, they can say, well, you were not rated correctly. And in most States, it's not the responsibility of the insurance agent or company to make sure that that classification is correct. It's the, it's the, uh, uh, the client who's buying the policy needs to make sure it's correct. And most people wouldn't be able to do that. And that's where a good agent explaining what they are and making sure the client's honest with you. Right. You know, right. I, call, I call clients out all the time. Everyone's an interior carpenter under two floors. That's yeah. the cheapest, right? Yeah. And I'm like, well, do you do roofing? And they're like, well, once in a while. I'm like, no, you're a roofer. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, you can lie to me. And I'll write it the way you told me to write it. And I have records of everything and record all my phone calls and keep track of all my emails. Right. So when the claim comes in, I can say, well, no, they told me they were a carpenter and someone just went through a roof. Mm -hmm. uh, so I said, you got to be honest with me. It's going to cost you money, but let's do it right the first time. And most good small business owners, small to medium sized business owners want to make sure they have the right insurance. And right. Those are the people I like to work with. I mean, th this is crazy to think that if you file a claim or, or you, your policy says you're a nail salon or your tenants are a nail salon and you're really a daycare and a, and a kickboxing gym, which to me, both of those businesses carry their own risks mm -hmm. of injury or, you know, abuse and things like, like that. I can't believe that somebody would, would be like, oh yeah, I'm just going to, you know, say that, that this is a, a nail salon when it's complete, complete opposite of what your, what business or the tenants are really running in your building. That's, yeah. that's yeah. unbelievable to me. <laughs> oh, it, it happens. Like I said, that's a true story. Yeah. Um, and, and what I tell them flat out is like, here's how this works. 
is that if a claim gets filed, yeah. when that claims adjuster shows up at that building, it's going to be very obvious what who your tenants are. Right. And they look up and see kickboxing, daycare, and they're looking for the nail salon where yeah. the claim came in. And there, there is no nail salon. Yeah. Um, and they can deny that claim. And you're not going to win that battle against an insurance company. I mean, right. they, they have attorneys for reasons. These guys know what they're doing. Right. Um, but, you know, again, and that's, you know, part of the problem is people, the insurance industry, i.e. the progressives, Geico, Liberty, and they're great companies, all mm -hmm. great companies, mm -hmm. but they have convinced people at the personal level and at the business level, there's a lot of uh, online commercial insurance now that cheaper is better. Mm -hmm. um, I had a woman who I was, she does nurse, ER nurse staffing agency. Mm -hmm. And she told me, she goes, oh, I already have insurance. I'm paying $75 a month. That's pretty low, I would and think. I, and yeah, I, well, that's, that's less than what I'm paying for my insurance agency. Yeah. Now she has um, general liability. She has a huge general liability risk. She has a huge professional liability risk. She's a staffing agency. Insurance carriers typically don't like staffing agencies because we're insuring for people we are, don't really know because there's a lot of turnover. Right. And I'm like, that's impossible. And she goes, oh, no, no, I got it online. And I, I, collect, I selected everything correctly. And, and this is, and I'm just like, okay. And I moved on. Uh -huh. I'm not, I mean, and I've done nurse staffing agencies and they are generally anywhere from 500 to a thousand dollars a month, depending right. on what kind of nurses you're staffing. Right. And I'm like, you know, but that's part of the problem is, you know, they, the, the industry, the direct writers have convinced people that, you know, cheaper is better. Um, you know, I, we can save you money and it's important to save money. I'm not saying that every carrier I write has the best pricing, right? but that's where I come in or my team comes in or an underwriter comes in to say, okay, this is a building in downtown Philadelphia. Okay. I know this carrier does not like downtown Philadelphia for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah. So I write it with someone else and you can tell by the pricing, you know, you get a $30,000 price and you're getting 12,000 from everybody else. You know, it, clearly they don't want that they don't want that risk. Um, right. but that's where it's important that, you know, we, cause we, I mean, as independent agents, <clears throat> we naturally shop. I mean, we all have the same carriers pretty much. Um, we're all shopping the same stuff. So if someone has a cheaper quote than I do, the information has to be different mm -hmm. and it's very easy to manipulate insurance quotes and change some coverages that the average person wouldn't even understand. Mm -hmm. And that's where there's some of the pricing I've seen. And I'm just like, you know, do you realize that this is actual cash value? Right. And they're like, what's that? I'm like, well, that means the insurance carrier is going to depreciate any loss. So if it's a hundred thousand dollar loss, you could probably only get 50,000 because of ACV and because of co-insurance. And I'm not going to dive into what that means, but basically you're just not insuring it correctly. Mm -hmm. You want full replacement costs. You want full business income. You want, you know, awnings. You want all these different coverages that will protect you and save you on a lot of these little claims. Right. Um, and, you know, the, the flip side is the deductible side and what's not covered. I mean, we don't put the exclusions on page one of the insurance policies. Right. They're on, they're on page 120, subparagraph two 
Um, and that's my job to say, okay, this policy excludes this, this policy excludes this. Is that okay? Right. Right. And if it's not, we go somewhere else. Um, and so that, but that's the conversation that needs to be had. And that usually is not. And I think it's crazy that, I mean, I, I know, understand it's marketing and sales to say, Hey, you know, all the advertisements and the marketing say, Hey, you're going to save money with us. You're going to save money on your insurance. But I don't think people realize that paying more for insurance doesn't even compare to what would happen if you're not insured correctly and what you're paying then. I mean, you could lose your entire business. It could cost you millions of dollars. You could have lawsuits and injuries and these damages and, and, and stress on top of it, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think people realize the impact of not being insured correctly and what, the, what that can do, right? Oh yeah. They, they, or they think it won't happen to them or I hear it with auto insurance. I'm a safe driver. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. But what about everyone else on the road? Yeah. Um, and you also have to remember too, I'm a pre I preach liability. We, yeah. we tend to focus on physical things we can see like liability is this, you know, if I get sued, how much money do I have to fight the lawsuit? Right. But you got to remember liability increases at a decreasing rate. So to up someone's coverage from a million dollars to 2 million, it doesn't double. Mm -hmm. It goes up by typically 40% mm -hmm. because what are the odds that I spend a million, first of all, pretty small, right? Pre these are bad claims, right? Yeah. Um, but what are the odds I spend 2 million? It's even less. Right. So I'm not going to charge double. So I am, I preach liability because that's how people go bankrupt. Right. You know, you go bankrupt by driving around with state minimum auto. Right. Go bankrupt by not having enough general liability in your restaurant where you're serving liquor. Right. Um, retail store, you know, where you have that slip and fall risk. Right. Um, and on the other side is professional, you know, E&O. I mean, I have E&O if I make, make a mistake on an insurance policy, if I put the wrong coverages on or do something and, and make honestly make an honest mistake. Um, and a lot of businesses have that professional liability requirement, but that people don't get the coverage because it wasn't presented to them correctly or they only needed general liability because they're a tenant in a building. Right. Um, right. You know, th think, think a doctor medical malpractice. That's what, you know, and professional is now a doctor's medical malpractice is the most expensive insurance in the world. I would believe I don't sell it. So I don't know what it, I know it costs a lot, mm -hmm. but you know, again, as an insurance agent, if you are doing uh, e-commerce, uh, if you're doing, consulting, if you, you know, all of that stuff needs professional liability. And most of the time people just gloss over it because that way the overall package is a lot cheaper. Right. Right. You know, it's the same thing with, you know, I'll, we use the daycare, you know, you need professional liability with daycare. That sounds crazy, but those teachers in those daycares are teaching, teaching these kids. Right. And if they say something or someone, of the parents gets upset and sues them and they don't have professional liability, there's no coverage. I mean, general liability slips and falls. That's all it covers. So mm -hmm. you need that coverage. You need the abuse. You need, you know, um, same thing applies to cyber insurance. Right. People think, oh, I'm fine. What, why would they come after me? Well, you know, th the stats are staggering right now about the number of small businesses that are going out of business because they get hacked and get locked down with ransomware and they don't have $200,000 of Bitcoin. Right. You know, they don't have a managed service provider helping them rebuild their network and doing data backups. And I mean, think about it. If you have a laptop, 
and you're running a business and you know, your CRM, your QuickBooks, everything's on that laptop and I lock it down. Yep. I just, I walk over to you and grab it, Ryan, and mm -hmm. walk away and say, okay, Ryan, now run your business. Yeah. You can't. Right. Right. And that's what ransomware is. And you know, the, it's a hard sell, but I, I keep pushing it. And the business owners that understand the risk that's out there um, are starting to come around. They have starting to have more stories of small businesses getting hacked, yep. getting locked down. And, you know, it's for me, it's actually, I, I mean, I, I've had cyber the whole time, but I, my carriers now are requiring, I have cyber insurance or they will not appoint me. Wow. Think about that. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, th this is, I mean, especially now and where we are now, and if you think five or 10 years from now, how technology is going to advance in mm -hmm. not only, I mean, the bad guys are going to adva advance themselves too, obviously they're going to have new technology to steal and hack. Um, I mean, they're thinking about it now. So if you're running a business that's heavily reliant on technology, I mean, you really need, you need something to protect you. I mean, it's. Oh, oh, hundred percent. And, and I, I, you know, I think about it this way, but people don't understand. People think that hackers are trying to get, I'll use you as an example, right? They're trying to get your date of birth, social security number, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's chump change now, right? Yeah. That those, those are amateurs. Yeah. There are companies in Russia, yeah. in third world countries that people go to work nine to five and they try to hack into businesses in the US and all over the world. Right. And that's all they do all day long. Yeah. All day long. I get 10, 15 emails a day that are email phishing emails. Yeah. If I click on the wrong link, guess what? Yeah. Um, now, the problem is they, they just keep going. I mean, they'll send out a million emails mm -hmm. and one person clicks and, you know, you're in Russia, you're in these third world countries and, you know, it's a $50,000 ransomware. That's a lot of money. Right. And they only have to be right once. Yeah. Um, and when that happens, here's the big thing though with cyber. When, if you, if you have cyber insurance, first of all, you need the, the requirements are skyrocketing what you need to even get cyber, but you're probably going to have a net, uh, a managed service provider running your network, keeping you safe, updating your firewall, antivirus, all the basic stuff that they do. Right. So if I get hacked for whatever reason, immediately I have an IT professional company that built my network, knows my network, stopping the damage mm -hmm. and making sure that I'm safe. And I have a cyber policy that has $2 million of coverage to pay them. Mm -hmm. The carriers now bring in their preferred cyber vendors to do forensic accounting, to do data backup, to do all these different services that I'm going to need just to get me back up and running and to more importantly, wipe out my system. So that software that came in is now gone. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't really have like a million dollars hanging out in the bank account. Right. Yeah. Um, and I don't have Bitcoin, right? Yeah. So I, you know, you're not paying for this with your American Express card. I mean, this is, this is money laundering. This is criminal activity we're talking here. Right. And the other, the flip side too, and this is where we're getting to, and, and there's a lot of conversation in the industry about when we have, um, we talked about tenant insurance and, and, you know, people that are your clients having insurance to protect your policy with cyber is the same way. Cause what if one of your vendors gets hacked and they get into your network and mm -hmm. you get hacked Yeah, and, and that vendor doesn't have cyber insurance. Well, that vendor is going out of business and your policy is going to get hit because they're going to find a policy. 
Yeah. They're going to keep moving upstream. They find your policy. Now your policy gets hit with a big, with a large claim. The average claim is about $863,000. Wow. It's a big number. Yeah. yeah. It's a huge number. And now your policy gets hit. So now your insurance is going to skyrocket because your vendor didn't have a cyber insurance policy or didn't have the right protections in place. Um, and it's, it's awful. Um, and I've had, I had one client get hacked because of their vendor. They did, wow. a, they did an email fish on her. They hacked into the vendor's email system mm -hmm. and started, started sending my client emails and being very friendly, like, Hey, what's up? How you doing? Mm -hmm. You know? And, uh, then they, two days out, they, uh, sent an email saying, Hey, we've changed our, our payment, um, account and a routing number. Mm -hmm. My client knows she should have called. She knows that she did yeah. not. We all get busy. Yeah. Uh, $1.2 million went count A, count B gone in three seconds. Holy cow. Wow. And she never, and she never got hacked. She did. She did everything right. Yeah. It's um, a vendor. Yeah. It's a vendor. So you have to remember that too. So I, I'm now telling a lot of these e-commerce clients, you need to get a certificate of insurance from your vendors that they have cyber along mm -hmm. with other coverages, but they have cyber and they list you as additional insured. So if they cancel the policy, you get informed. And yeah. that way, when, if something happens, you have two policies and you have three, four, five, whatever number of millions of dollars. Um, and we have enough money to fix everything. Right. Um, so. Wow. Wow. Well, Rob, it's been a great conversation. I've learned a lot. I didn't know. So I'm glad you, you came. I'm, I'm my, my thoughts on insurance, especially in business insurance has really changed. Um, and I hope everybody listening has rethought their plan, their policy or what they're doing. And if they haven't, you need to talk to Rob because Rob can help you. He's an educator, not just an insurance sales guy. He's really an educator on this stuff. He knows his stuff. Rob, I'm going to ask you one more question. I like to ask everybody too. Um, uh, if you met yourself at 18, 19 years old now, what would you tell yourself? Well, that, that's a great question. What I would tell myself was don't follow the path that other people have set for you. Mm -hmm. I felt at 18, 19, um, I was kind of down a path. Um, I had great parents. It's not their fault. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was, it, it, here's what's expected of you and you will do A, B, C, and D. Right. I wish I had had enough guts or had enough vision to kind of do what I really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what Going was that down the path, entrepreneurial kind of vision. Yeah, exactly. And, and this was, you got to be, I'm, I'm 58. So this was in the eighties where entrepreneurship was not really that popular. Right. Um, but the people were doing it. Um, and I think, you know, I wish I had known I had other options. I wish I had known, Hey, don't go down the, okay, you need to, you know, go down this path, work on wall street. That's kind of why I joined the military. Cause I didn't want to do that. So I joined the military for eight years and then went back to wall street. Yeah. Um, and I liked it, but it really wasn't something I really, really love doing every day. I never understood if you love your job, you're never working a, a day in your life. I didn't understand that. I just thought, Hey, you got to put the grind in. You got to do what you're, what's expected of you. And you got to do these certain jobs. Here's this, here's the list of jobs you should do based on your education, based on your family backing, 
um, yeah. and never really thought outside of that. So I, I right. think I, I wish someone had explained that to me and kind of given me that spark. Yeah. Um, and maybe things would have been different. I don't know. I mean, I'm very happy where I am now. I'm you know, happily married, four kids, they're all older. Yeah. Everything is great. But I went through those years of working on Wall Street, just like it was, it just, it was a job. Yeah. And, simple. and right. I didn't know this entrepreneurial world even existed. Right. Um, but yeah, I'd love to give that. It's funny because I give that advice now to my kids. Yeah. Um, like, hey, you're young. You have no, you have no, you don't have a wife and four kids. You don't have, you know, obligations. Try some things. If you fail forward yeah. and you're doing the right thing, I'll support you. Right. Um, right. And I didn't really get that when I was growing up. It was like, nope, you'll get a job. You'll move out of the house at 22. You'll figure it out. And here's the jobs you should be taking. And I was like, eh, no, I don't really want to do that. So I joined the Navy and loved every minute of that. But, um, you know, it's, I think it's important that people realize when they're young, they can take those risks. And why not? You never know. I mean, there's a lot of businesses now that were not around 30 years ago. Right. And there's more opportunities now than ever before. You know, oh, with, with, and you could do anything, right? I mean, you could, I have, I have people starting e-commerce businesses. Yeah. I have people doing, you know, uh, TikTok videos for brands. I, yep. I mean, just things that I, I mean, I know what a TikTok video is. Yeah. I don't, I don't really understand TikTok though. We're, we're trying to get there with it, but yeah. I, I just, it's amazing. And it's some really cool stuff. And there's some really smart people in this world that have some great ideas and, and let's combine them with money and some business management skills and things like that. And they can be very, very successful along with a lot of other people. So I, yeah. I think that's a long answer to your question, but I wish, I wish I had been offered probably more options and had been able to feel I could try something that is going in the right direction. And if I failed, it would be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're at where you are now, Rob. And I know if people have questions, I'm sure after listening to this, a lot of people are going to have questions for you. Um, where can they find you or reach you? Um, my email is rob at insuranceleadership.com. My web, website is patrioticinsurancegroup.com. Um, okay. Everything's on there, all the contact information. There's a lot of educational stuff on there. There's blogs. There, there's little uh, videos of you know, different kinds of coverages and all that kind of stuff, but reach out to me there. Um, as I say to a lot of people, my job's not to sell a bunch of paper. Yeah. Um, I have people call and spend an hour with me just talking insurance. Right. And they're nowhere near getting it. Like they're just starting their business. They don't really know what they're doing right. um, because I've gone down this path enough times. I have friends who are accountants, attorneys, hard money, soft money, commercial lenders. I mean, I have, I have a big network. Yeah. Um, so I can do those introductions and on the tail end, but I like to set a business owner up for success. Right. Um, and then my insurance just protects that business. So reach out, would love to chat with anybody who is thinking about getting into small business or thinking, you know, even personal lines insurance. Um, if you've got good coverage, if you're with, you know, Geico is a direct writer, so I can't sell Geico. But if you're with Geico and you have the right coverages and your price is less than what my 15 carriers are coming back with, I'll tell you to stay there because Geico's, I mean, Warren Buffett owns them, right? Mm -hmm. It can't, it can't be a badly managed company. Right. Um, and you know, it, I mean, claims are claims and, and Geico does a pretty good job, but you know, it's it, it, at least come in and figure out what you have yeah, and then go from there. And right. then we can work on the other stuff. 
All right. Well, thank you, Rob. It's been a good conversation. Let's keep in touch. Okay. Sounds good, Ryan. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you're interested in becoming an episode sponsor, please email me at livingryan at gmail.com. And thank you so much.